Welcome to the Better the Pond podcast. In each episode, Warren Berry, CEO and founder of Instinctive Solutions, talks to amazing people doing incredible things that lead the charge of generosity. We'll discover what makes each guest a bit of an odd duck and how they continue to better the pond around us. The migration starts right now with our host, Warren Berry. Hello, everyone, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Better the Pond podcast, the Flying V edition, where we talk to incredible people who are creating impact and ripples on the pond. My name is Warren Berry, and I'm your host and the founder of Instinctive Solutions, where we believe that everyone is an odd duck, but that's what makes them awesome. Today, my guest is Eric Pringle. Eric is the CEO of Milestone Environmental. Eric is one of my heroes, as he not only physically creates a healthier pond through the environmental work, but he also betters the pond through serving people and communities and just making the world a better place. Eric is a genuine leader who has learned to listen, create alignment, and to lead from behind. From his early days of working on a golf course to his present role as CEO, Eric consistently goes the extra mile helping others and in turn, creating ripples so that everyone around him will get to ride on the wake that he has created. Thank you, Eric, for everything that you do to better the pond. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Pringle. So, Eric Pringle, Milestone Iron Environmental. You know what? We met at a Tech Canada meeting. We'll give Tech Canada a little shout out here, right? And our, and our good friend, Rob Hunt, let's give him a shout out. We met back, uh, we met back then. Um, and I was really, really taken back um, by the work that you were doing at Milestone Environmental. So uh, I could not wait for the day to come when I can have you as a guest on the Better the Pond podcast. Eric Pringle, it is great to have you here today. Oh, Warren, thanks very much. I mean, uh, that was a great day. I enjoyed the the tech session. I enjoyed your stuff, and I, I've, uh, I'm a big fan of this uh, Better the Pond concept. So. It's it's a real privilege and an honor to uh, to join you. Awesome, yeah. I think we're gonna have some great uh, great discussion today, for, absolutely for sure. So before we jump into the questions, Eric, uh, you know, for my listeners, can you sort of maybe you know give a bit of a synopsis or an outline of what what is in uh, Milestone Environmental and uh, what is it that you guys do? Sure, absolutely. Well, it's a good question. Um, so we are an environmental contractor. So we effectively clean up contaminated sites. Um, I like to look at it as all those legacy issues, whether they be the corner gas station, which we don't deal with very much anymore, or abandoned mine sites or harbors that have been impacted or industrial properties. Um, it also includes wetlands uh, that need to be improved upon. So um, a pretty big gamut, to be honest with you, and we're working across Canada. Um, but effectively, what we do is uh, we make sites uh, better, cleaner. Um, I like to say that, you know, after every project, we make the world a little bit better place. You better the pond. You out, out of the pond. You clean the pond. So Absolutely. So out of interest sake, and we've never had this conversation, Eric, of, you know, from you know, a site that's been, you know, whether they've done oil or mining or the things that they've done, yep. um, by the time that you're done your work, um, would that site now be right back to where it was, you know, where was prior? What is uh, the end goal? Yeah, so the end goal is to is 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 to improve upon it. Often that's driven by regulatory um, issues, but that can get very technical and very very deep uh, into some details. Um, yeah, so from my point of view, um, it's often best to look at examples of projects that we've done. So we did a project up in the Yukon called Marwell Tar Pit, you know, legacy site from the 1940s. Um, you know, uh, refinery. Uh, when it was when it was decommissioned, it wasn't decommissioned to the standards of today, and it, it had a tar pit. So we went in with um, with our team, which was a team, uh, and we treated the material and we left it all on site to the point that now it can be redeveloped and put back into productive use. Um, you take a site like Hamilton Harbor with Randall Reef, and you know long legacy of um, steel making um, and important Canada's history and and all of that. Um, and that harbor is now being cleaned up and put in a containment cell on, again, on site, don't have to take the material anywhere. Um, and, and so the end result is 
often if you went back to those sites, you'd go, well, I can't really see very much, but, but the environmental condition of those sites is dramatically improved. They're safer the community is better off. They can put those into productive use. Both those sites now are in the, in the position where, as opposed to being sort of, um, uh, idle sites or brownfield sites, or some people call them abandoned, which I don't really like that because there still is an owner. Um, but the reality is those are now able to be put back into productive use. Excellent. So, I mean, that's so great to hear because I think that, you know, you look at all the mining and, and with oil production and those kind of things. And I um, mean, you, you know, we're extracting all these things, but the fact is for longevity and sustainability of our planet, uh, obviously milestone is, is, is playing a, a large role in that. Yeah. I mean, for, for economic growth, there is, there is going to be some, some impact and we have found a niche in playing in the cleanup of that impact, um, whether it be emergency response to spills or, you know, sites like, um, up in the North that are, you know, decades old and cleaning those up. So yeah, it, it, I mean, for us and for the people that work with us, it's a great industry because you do sort of, I always worked with a guy and he used to say, you know, we're sort of on the side of the angels and it, and it's nice to be in construction, which is, which is a very, you know, um, proactive, um, no nonsense industry. It's nice to be on, on, in that industry. Um, but at the same time, um, in an industry that really is making a, a difference in making places better. You're the good guys. Try. <laughs> well, I, I believe that you are. So, <laughs> you know, from, from our conversation, I mean, I do find this fascinating, the work that you do, and I'm glad that, you know, there is organizations such as, as Milestone, which is out again, you know, bettering the pond from a physical standpoint. What really got my attention with you, Eric, is not just because you're such a great guy, but uh, but it is also because of all the all the things that you're doing to better the pond in so many other ways. And we're going to dive into that right. um, as, as we go through this because it really was, um, it was moving. It wasn't impressive. It was bigger than impressive. It was moving. And that's where, that's where you really got my attention. So, right. but um, before we get to those questions, we have some lead up. So, and so Eric Pringle, what got you from being a gosling you're yep. very, very, where were you hatched? You're very humblest of beginnings, right? To leaving the nest where the, you, you took the step to leave, you know, to get either you were pushed out of the nest or you decided to leave on your own, right? To where you are today, Mr. Eric Pringle, what is your backstory? Right. Well, we could be here for a long time. Um, I, first of all, I've been very, very, very fortunate. Um, if I look back, you know, on the almost, you know, we won't go to the ages, um, but more than 50 years, um, I, you know, I, I, I've had a great journey and I've worked with some great people. Um, interestingly enough, um, and I joke with my kids about this. So when I was, uh, probably nine years old, I did a science fair project. I'm going to back you up. Yep. Where, where were you hatched? Where, where did you where? start your life? Yes. Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Toronto, Ontario. Absolutely. Uh, still in many ways home. My family, lots of my family members and my wife's family members still live in Toronto. So it's always great to go back uh, to Toronto for that reason. So yeah, hatched in Toronto. Uh, and then, you know, grade four, I had to do a science fair project. And my dad and I went down to the Welland Canal and we did a science fair project on we, because he definitely helped, um, on um, uh, the lock system. And that really started my desire to be involved in engineering. And, you know, from there it went through a whole series of progressions and somehow in and around that time, I got, um, interested in, in oddly enough, environmental remediation and love canal. And that's what led me from really a, an early career in manufacturing and, um, uh, uh, that kind of industrial engineering side into, um, a couple of companies that allowed me to explore the environmental side and, um, and, and into the remediation. So since 1987, I've been engaged in um, some form or other of environmental remediation. So it's been a long, a long journey. Um, and I've done the consulting side and I've done the contracting side. Um, and it's just full of great people, great projects and um, lots of accomplishments. So that's, that's kind of where the journey started. Um, you know, as with all of us, it starts with the, the mother goose and the mother gosling, or the mother, well, what's the father gosling? No, that's not right. The father or the mother. I'm not, I'm going to lose the goose thing. I'm just going to, my mom and my dad. Okay, perfect. All right. Uh, the, the goose thing, I'll just leave that to me. So uh, the goose and the gander. 
But um, so now here's my question to you, Eric, is now, so here you're nine years old. Yeah. Right. So you're what, grade four, grade yeah. four, grade, yeah. Okay. So how many of your grade four, you know, classmates said, you know what, I'd like to be an engineer? Well, very few of the reality, but I'm not sure. Uh, a couple of them, in fairness, did did know that they were going to be, you know, a lawyer or maybe an accountant or whatever. Um, so I, I I would say very few, and I was very fortunate that that just somehow that science fair project and subsequent ones just kind of launched me into that direction, which is one of the things I've always been interested in is giving back to sort of um, you know science, technology, engineering, and math um, educational programs. So what, uh, tell me a bit, uh, so there was, well, there was just you, or did you have any siblings? Oh, I had two uh, older sisters and one younger brother. And where did they end up in life? Uh, my sister Leslie is a lawyer and just about to retire as, uh, I believe, an Ontario court judge. Uh, my sister Jill is a, um, uh, works with a program, she's effectively a social worker. Uh, but works and runs a program for um, children um, in terms of um, um, some of the tougher, more marginalized kids in our society. Um, so tremendously valuable work. And then my brother Ian um, is a director at a group called Farm Radio, um, and they do uh, international work uh, promoting radio for farming communities and education. Oh, so they're nurse. <laughs> well, true, but there's there's a theme that walks through this, right? Which is about sort of people in community, right? Like if I was to kind of weave the through in the right. So now, you know, looking looking back, uh, can you just sort of maybe shine a light on your parents of where that maybe that got instilled from? Because obviously, you know, you and your siblings have sort of followed um, different paths, but there's a common denominator that fits, I think, smack dab in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I think we were always brought up um, from my parents um, with a sense of purpose and values. Um, I think all of us uh, have that. It's funny, we have all followed different paths, but we, in later life, we've come to realize that we're a lot more similar, even though we have different interests and different pursuits. There's, there's, a, there's that DNA that binds us. Mm -hmm. uh, so without a doubt, I mean, um, both of my parents, very committed to community, very committed to, to people, um, high, you know, high standards. Um, I think we're all, I was talking to my son the other day and saying, Hey, you're third generation perfectionist. So that's a challenge to, to work through. Um, but yeah, it definitely comes from, you know, um, two parents that put a lot of time and energy into their kids. And, um, I think gave us a great, um, push in our, in our careers and our lives. Um, we had a conversation probably about a, a week or so ago and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, were both your parents educators? No, uh, my dad was actually a lawyer, and my mom was effectively um, managing the family and keeping us all on the straight and narrow with with four kids as a full time job. Apparently, my memory has failed me. Um, <laughs> well, they were educators in the sense that if, if if you look at what they did for their kids, um, they definitely had an impact on on the four of us, and and I would argue, you know, on their grandchildren too, which is which is again that ripple effect that I love. Right, absolutely. And we're going to definitely dive into that. So, so here you are. That you're the nine-year-old engineer, and uh, you're, you know, you've obviously got your your sights on a, on a vision for your future. So, going into your teenage years, and you go into high school. Um, number one, what was your first job? Oh, my first job was my absolute best job ever, and I still long for the day. So, I, my first job was at a golf pro shop at a golf course in uh, Muskoka, north of uh, Toronto. And I worked there for five years, uh, eventually uh, became the um, pro shop manager, uh, working with the, the pro and the rest of the crew. And it was, uh, I actually was able to go to work most days by boat. By boat? Really? As a heck of a commute, love it. <laughs> That's awesome, actually. So what was it about that job that you loved so much? Oh, uh, great question. So, you know, funny enough, I started off, you know, in the back shop, as they called it, washing golf clubs and carrying golf bags and, you know, cleaning up everything under the sun. I, I just love the fact that you could get engaged in work and you could see that improvement, whether it was, you know, improving the way that the shop ran, whether it 
was dealing with the customers and it really rooted all the way through the rest of my career. Like I can definitely see elements of what I gained from working at that pro shop uh, to stuff now. So I, I remember very clearly them once saying to me, you know, go clean up the back shed. And when I finished, they came and they said, hold on me, you know, you were only just supposed to clean it up a little bit. You didn't need to reorganize it and completely redo it. And then they said at one point, they said, you know, um, create a schedule and just scheduling all the staff and what the rotations were going to be. I mean, I was, I was a teenager at the time, but um, just that opportunity to, to dive in and do that stuff um, was great. And don't get me wrong, it was on a golf course. So um, I should be a better golfer than I am, but just where it was, was, was really special. Did they have the cleanest water traps in all of Ontario? <laughs> I don't, you know what, that was, that was pre, but case in point, I do think that that outdoor connection, whether it's golf, whether it's skiing, whether it's canoeing, uh, you know, whether it's hiking or walking, I think, you know, lots of people say, what's your happy place. And for me, it is just being in the outdoors. So, so that, that definitely has an impact And when you see some of these impacted sites, um, you, you realize that they could be better. So yeah, I think there, I think there's definitely a connection. I can't tell you whether or not the golf course had the cleanest ponds. Okay. Um, so now, so you got your first job, you're doing the whole golf thing, you're having a lot of fun, um, and you graduate. So you decide that obviously you're going to keep your education going and I would assume off to engineering. So um, at what point did you actually leave the nest and did you leave it on your own or were you push, persuaded and shoved out of the nest? Well, that's a really good way of asking it. Um, no, I think I was encouraged to branch out on my own and do my own thing. Um, so I went to university at Queen's University, uh, which was, which is, which is an interesting time. So that was definitely when I left the nest and, you know, learned how to do things on my own and live with a group of people that, you know, we had to cook and clean and, and interact with each other. Um, so that was a great experience. And then, you know, from there, I really never went back to the nest, um, other other than for you know events and and staying in touch obviously you stayed you stayed out of the nest you never went back uh you know to be truthful i went back for a brief period of time when i moved back to toronto and i needed a place to stay but i was at that point you know beyond the nest and i think for my parents it was nice of them to let me stay for four or five months but i don't think either one of us thought that that was the right place for me to be so fair i i, I did the same thing so yeah yeah <laughs> So once you, once you graduated the university and you got your diploma, so, you know, what, what got you from that point, you know, to, to milestone, uh, to what you're doing now? Uh, so, I mean, if I, if I look at that sort of literally what got me there, I would have to say I was very fortunate, uh, a group of exceptional companies that I worked with, with, um, some tremendous mentors. So I often say that I, I don't. You know, I do, I do what I do through other people and I had all the way through my career, I had some great, great people that I worked with, um, and some great mentors, uh, that helped me and guided me, uh, on my way. So, um, I probably worked for four or five different, different groups. And then eventually I got into, you know, uh, running and owning some businesses, uh, and then Milestone approached me in between one of those uh, one of those events and said, "Would I would I join them?" They'd started two years previously in Ottawa. Mark Seaman and Barry Grover founded Milestone, mm -hmm. and uh, they approached me and uh, asked me if I'd be interested in um, starting up an, an organization with them for Western Canada. And so, you know, that was uh, that was ancient history now nine years ago, and uh, here we are today. You know, across the country and. Um, I'm at Milestone and never had more fun in my life. Love it. Well, uh, except, maybe, except maybe for that golf job. The golf, yeah, the golf job, I think it probably holds a little bit of, the, there's a little history there. Yeah. So, you know, you say about, you had a lot, you know, you're sort of, obviously you were standing on the, on the shoulders of giants, you know, along, along your way. Is there one person, Eric, along your way that, that really comes to mind or that really stood out as far as one of your mentors? Well, there's two. So, uh, in both contexts, uh, my, my dad. Uh, obviously just in terms of that, you know, constant, steady advice, business advice. Um, and then, um, my father-in-law who since passed, my dad's actually still, still alive. He's 95 years old, which is great. Because of the longevity there. Absolutely. Um, and then, and then my father-in-law, Art Johns, who was, um, you know, very involved in Morrison Hirschfield. And he 
really taught me a lot about leadership um, in business and leadership um, in terms of, um, I would describe it, I was at an event for him one time and um, some of his staff were telling me that his knack was to let other people lead and that his leadership style was to encourage sort of that leadership within the organization, which allowed them to grow. It's interesting, you know, one of the concepts that I try to treat, you know, teach organizations is how to lead from behind. Right. And I think you just sort of captured that so that that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Interesting. I think it's a powerful way of doing it. I mean, you know, again, if, 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 uh, if we're, if we're a team and we can all take that, that position occasionally, well, I love your analogy with the, uh, leading, you know, the, the V, um, flying in a V formation. Yeah, the lead goose never stays the lead goose, right? So you could be at the back, right? You know, while someone else is taking the lead, but you're still you still have leadership, right? So that means that everybody in the organization is the leader, right? And I think one of the greatest leadership qualities that people need to learn is how to follow, right? Yeah, excellent. I love it. Um, I'm gonna make note of that. <laughs> so. Um, so Eric, what, what's the, what's the most impactful thing that has happened to you that's ruffled your feathers and how did that's positive or negative mm. and how did you respond to it? Uh, well, I guess I'm not sure what the greatest thing that's ruffled. I mean, I guess, I guess the easy answer would be, um, you know, you get ruffled, your feathers get ruffled when you hit hardship or when you hit, I call it a bump in the road that you weren't expecting. So, um, you know, probably the greatest, um, from a business point of view, um, was, um, having a disagreement with a former partner and, uh, parting company, but you know, that, that led to new opportunities and, uh, I wouldn't be here if that hadn't happened. So how did I deal with it? Um, you know, I think you just, you just take stock and you look at what's important. And I know I reflected, I've told a number of people the story that, you know, when I left uh, the consulting practice and sold that business, um, what I did was I looked at what I enjoyed the most and where I felt I had the most fun. And I came up with kind of three very simple metrics and uh, looked for that new opportunity to to get reengaged and took the time to make sure that I, I, um, I did that. Um, and luckily it's it's worked out really well you know one of the things that i mean talking to you know multiple people on the podcast and and from my own experiences um some of the you know some of the hardest times that i ever had in my life some of the most you know where there was the most difficult the most challenging when you're you know you're up you're up against the wall it, at the time was not a lot of fun obviously right but in, in reflection after it was the best thing that ever happened so you learn to be grateful for those scenarios, although at the time you can't you can't see the forest because of the trees. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it, uh, I think it's Winston Churchill who said, you know, never waste a good crisis yeah. <laughs> or something to that effect. Yeah. And but I but I do you know there's lots of little expressions like you know what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. You know, um, forged in fire. So I I do agree. I think um, you know all of our journeys in many cases have to come back to those bumps in the roads or the things that ruffled our feathers. Um, it's funny because when I when I first heard you say that, you know, one of the things I work on in in our business is that so many things change and there's so many unknowns. So what ruffles our feathers? Um, you know, in the work that we do, our 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 intention is to not get ruffled. And mm -hmm. so learning how to recognize that we always have those bumps in the road, the challenges, the things that don't go the way we expected them to, but then how to deal with it. And I and I do think back to what I said earlier, it does come down to what are your values? What are the things that you think are most important? And then, you know, reapplying yourself, uh, in, in those ways. And I think, I think that that's true of, you know, how I approach life, but I think it's also true of how we approach business too. And yeah, one of my favorite lines is if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, as you may know, because uh, of the fact that we were together in, in the tech session, right? So, geese fly 71% further and faster when flying in the B formation, right? So, what do you think the secret is to getting a team, i.e. your team or any team, 
to get to in that in to fly in that B formation. What do you think is kind of the the secret sauce? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to alignment, and uh, you want to make sure that all of those people, um, first of all, have an instinct in the case of geese or in the case of of uh, um, uh, the people you work with, um, that they have alignment uh, on what that purpose, that mission is. You know, that's why we do mission, vision, and values in our business, and that's why we've done it here. Um, so I, I think it is around alignment. Um, and, you know, underneath all of that, I think one of the things that from a work point of view helps is if, if you have people that have a similar purpose and passion. And uh, so that definitely helps. And then we talk about alignment a lot. Um, I, I think you have to have common purpose to, to fly in the otherwise, otherwise you get people going off in different directions and, and, and to some extent that's good too. Often that spawns a lot of innovation. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think just having a vision alone, right? So we got value and I understand we all have to share the same values. I think it's obviously that's, that's critical. Um, do you think though, that having visual vision alone of knowing where we're going is enough to be able to have people fall into that B formation? Uh, no, because they have to, they, they have, they have to choose to fall into that formation. Um, so there, it's, it's a complex issue and I'm, I'm, you're better at the people side than I probably remember. I'm an engineer. Um, uh, but, uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot more that, that, that has to happen. Um, you know, you have to have you know, chemistry amongst the team. You have to have, you know, um, you have to have a little bit of that family feel to it where you, you like working with each other and you want to work with each other. Um, and you have to have, you have to have different skill sets on the team as well. So often the different skill set means that there's going to be a slightly different vision. And so I think maybe, maybe a part of it is, um, is more in that you, you have to have a lot of communication. Uh, so you have to communicate with people as they go through bumps in the roads or, you know, um, euphoric moments and where, where they're really enjoying what they do. Um, that communication is is huge, and that's why for us one of our our values is around collaboration, and we say relentless collaboration on a daily basis um, because we we want people to be always coming together and having that discussion. We, we will definitely have disagreements, um, but if we're focused on that common purpose, um, I don't know where geese go uh, when they fly in a V formation. I think they either go north or south, but but effectively they know where they're going. And so that's the key thing, whether it's for Milestone, whether it's the, the, the people internally, but our subcontractors, our suppliers, our clients, and, and people that work with us. Um, I think that communication is critical. Yeah, one of the lines I love is, you know, the, um, is, you know, the problem with communication is the assumption that it's actually occurred. <laughs> and, but, but, but it's interesting though, is that, and I, I'm glad you brought this up because, you know, when, when geese fly in the view formation, is that every goose can see where they're going, right? Yeah, right? everyone has a clear vision, right? Of they so as long as that vision, so it's the it's the migration, right? So we know we're going to end up in that field or that that slough or whatever the case may be. Everyone knows that, um, and that it's, it's clear so everyone can see. And uh, and if you don't have a clear vision, if you don't have no, but no one can see, then that's why they get lost because everybody's, you know, I would say in an organization with culture is. If the culture of an organization is not clearly defined, everyone else will make it up. Right. Well, and and I was like the the definition of culture that that's what we do to fit in. So it, it, it's it's how it's how you exist within an organization. I, I would argue though that you know especially in my path, um, the fact that they they uh, break away from the V sometimes, as I say, that creates innovation or new companies. Um, so it's not necessarily a bad thing, but the main uh, flock, I guess, in the case of V, needs to keep moving forward. So. Um, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of similarities in your analogy with business for sure. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about it. And the things I love about is we think about nature. So geese are obviously in nature is that nature just does. Right. And I think we think about from business, if we can get to that point. I think that there, there's true success there. So, um, just quickly, you know, cause I want to keep moving, uh, with you, uh, Eric, but. You said something to me that really got my attention and you said relentless collaboration. Yeah. That's got my attention. Okay. What's relentless? Define relentless to me of what that means for milestone. Yeah. So constant break through the barriers. If it's not happening, recognize that it should be happening and, uh, and, and, and keep pushing forward on that. So, um, again, um, another value is ingenious solutions and, 
like I said, I think there's lots of examples of ingenuity that we have, but often it's through a team. And so always coming back to that team dynamic, always coming back to, you know, we said, especially with, you know, the last few years with COVID, if you feel isolated, know that that's not as a company what we want. And so whatever you have to do, figure out a way to collaborate, you know, um, whether that's a, a Teams meeting, whether that's a, a coffee, whether that's a, a brainstorming session and a whiteboard session, which I particularly love, um, whatever that is. And so it, it, it really is um, internally and externally as well, because in our business, when we, when we get involved in projects that don't go well, I always encourage people like pick up the phone right away or go and have a meeting, meet face to face, make sure that we have that communication and that dialogue. And so to me, that's what that collaboration is, is, is bringing the best of the team to the table constantly. And what I, what I say to people when we go through mission, vision, and values is every day you should have an opportunity to collaborate. If you're just working at your desk on your own, that's not daily relentless collaboration. Mm. And I think from sort of listening to your talk too, is it's not just about being nice to one another. There's also times when you're going to have disagreements, right? Obviously, that's welcome, welcome to the human condition. Yeah. But, but welcoming that, welcoming those, those that other point of view, because that might throw you in a different direction that you may have never, never either saw or someone pushed in a direction that became more valuable in the end. But rather than just going along with, someone might fight for something, but actually throw it in a direction that you may have never seen before. Yeah, my favorite book continues to be, from a business point of view, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, mm. because it makes that point is you have that trust with your colleagues and with people that you work with, and that allows for what he calls in one of the books, conflict. But but it's that dialogue that stems out of that that creates that pathway forward. So I would agree with you. Um, we're not always gonna have full agreement, and, and communication is about an exchange. Um, it, it, it does require that discourse to go on and, and to learn from each other. And I, I would also add, which I'm working on continuously listening. <laughs> What'd you say? I'm kidding. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Fantastic. So this is really what the meat potatoes I wanted to get with you, Eric. Cause I, I really, again, this is the point where when I met you and had conversation with you, um, that you really. I was, again, as I said, I was moved. I wasn't inspired. I was moved. And, and so the question itself is, you know, what are you doing right now to better the pond? And we know that you're doing it physically, but I'm going to jump into the other things that you're doing. Um, so again, what are you doing to better the pond and what, what ripples are you creating in milestone? Right. Yeah. So on a great question and, and, it, and it really comes to my purpose of why I do what I do. Um, I use the analogy of ripples as well. So I love that. Um, there's a couple of levels that that works on. Um, and you're right. We have the physical with, with the sites and, and how we clean them up. Um, but I think there's also just the way that we work with ourselves as a company and the pursuit that we want to make work. I'm a big believer that work going all the way back to that, you know, golf course backshop example, work can be a very uplifting, um, powerful uh, pursuit. And so if we can do that with our staff and with our partners and with our colleagues really well, um, in terms of how we behave and how we act and how we accomplish things, I, I think that has a, a huge ripple effect. Um, and I think that one place that that in our business at Milestone has definitely, um, taken hold is our work with first and foremost communities, but now in particular indigenous communities. And we really are trying to um, work in a very uh, collaborative, uh, proactive way with the indigenous groups that we um, find ourselves working with on some of our projects. And almost 60%, so better than 50% of our work has some element of indigenous group or indigenous land or an opportunity for that. And so one of the things that we're really trying to do at Milestone is really promote that. And to really look at that as part of our purpose is to connect with those communities, um, all communities, and then and then really through that, um, learn from them. Um, and um, Gavin Dometer, who's our Indigenous Relations uh, Lead within Milestone, always talks about, which I really enjoyed, you know, the journey that we're all on in terms of uh, understanding and reconciliation. So, you know, we've learned a lot. I, 
I've, I've always been attracted to that in, in, in our business, but I've really learned a lot in particular since coming to Milestone. And I think it's, you know, another one of our values at Milestone is caring. And I think it is that caring piece that, that for me has been a differentiator here. And so how are we bettering the pond? I guess we're, we're really just more, we're kind of flapping around in the pond and trying to make sure that, that, that it's a positive experience. And I think so far we've been very fortunate. Um, we have, I think eight, uh, indigenous partnerships across Canada in, in the North, uh, in Eastern Canada and, um, in Western Canada. And each one of those is different. And the, the relationships that, that evolve from that are, are unbelievably rewarding. So going from that, and I, and I, and I, I, pre, I definitely appreciate and, re, and respect that. Um, what ripples do you think that's being created out of those relationships, Eric? I, I mean, I, did, I think it, it sets a great example as to how we should be working um, within our communities. Um, and I, I think it, there's economic advantage for sure. Uh, and then there's um, advantages in terms of just those relationships that you build and you see, again, uh, when I go back and I look at, we did a really interesting project uh, in Esquimalt Harbor that involved um, dredging contaminated sediment and we had artifacts and we had potentially unexploded ordinances that we had to deal with. Um, and so the crew, you know, to see, to see how engaged the crew, which were from the Songhees nation and from the Esquimalt nation to see how engaged they were in that work and the smiles around, you know, the picking table out on the water, um, you know, working through that, that, that's a, that's a huge, um, positive benefit. Um, but I think it also says, and this is a real challenge for all of us within in in business is those those advantages those opportunities need to be created for people that in the past haven't necessarily had it and so you know people need to be given those opportunities and we as a business have a responsibility um to look at that and that's that's part again of what we're really trying to adopt is to say yeah we could do business a certain way but maybe this is a better way of doing business and having those partnerships and those engagements and having meaningful um, economic reconciliation uh, with those groups is, is critically important to us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting you say that, you know, that one project that you did, you see the, the smiles in their faces and you know, doing this project. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting you think about it, you know, from people, you know, people, humans you know, being happy and being proud and, and contributing and being part of something. And then they take that home and their home life, right? And then they take right. that and they teach that to their children and it goes on and on. So those ripples just, just keep created from, from a single project. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, how, how do we as individuals uh, really make a difference in the world? And I think it is that positive effect. And at one point I came up with this model that you know, if we did business a certain way and we had a certain number of employees and to your point, they, you know, passed that on to their children and their family and, and their outer circle. And then that had an impact all of a sudden that's, that's a pretty impressive, uh, impact on the world. So I know that gets a little bit too sort of elevated and I don't view myself in, in that context, but, I, but I do think that it is, it really is that simple and that should be on every personal interaction and every business interaction that we take uh, every day that we are blessed to be on this earth. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I really love your point, Eric, and it's, you know, going back to that, it's something so simple. That's why I created this podcast to begin with, right? Absolutely. It was just, just to hire, just to inspire one person to maybe do something differently, which would do something differently and, and have the ripple effect. So one person can, it's a butterfly effect, right? Absolutely. And to your point, I think one of the things is that we all can benefit from kind of copying from each other. And, and if we kind of allow that and we learn from that, that's the great thing. Again, another plug for tech. That's the best thing about tech is you get resource speakers, you get your peer group sitting around the table and you all have different perspectives and you learn from each other. And that's, that's no different than what we try to create within our business internally within Milestone is how, how do we create that and how do we leverage that or the, the people that we work with, even if they're not part of Milestone, maybe they're just a, a joint venture partner, or maybe they're a subcontract, or maybe they're a client. I mean, where we're providing a service to them. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it, it certainly fills your day and, and makes life interesting when you do all this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. 
And one of the things too, and you talk about you know working in the indigenous communities and and those kind of things. But looking at the the milestone website, and I would encourage my listeners to actually check out your website because if you look at all the other organizations that you help, that Eric is not a short list, right? Well, it's a it's it's a long list. Yeah, and I think that that reflects all the different communities. And so we've looked at, it's interesting where we've looked at um, trying to narrow that list. Um, but for example, if, 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 if we're working in a particular community and that community needs benefit and, uh, and it's a particular way, then that might be a new, a new area to give back to and support. And so we've looked at that. The common theme though, has tried to be around people and community. Um, and we're trying to evaluate also how we introduce then that environmental piece. And um, uh, Mike McGarrigan and I were just chatting. He's our, our lead for business development. And we were chatting about um, a webinar that we've got coming up and making it a little bit more environmental. So we often give to food banks or something in the community. But for a webinar, we were talking about trying to do something climate change related mm. and related to trees and planting trees. And so we've been evaluating different ways to engage in that so that, you know, maybe again, there's a, there's a, there's a contribution. So I think every situation is different and we have to look at it. Core to it though, is people, communities, and the environment for us. And, and that's, that's really how Milestone has been successful. And you've probably highlighted for me, it's how I've been successful. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe it all, it all, to me, it comes down, it's, it's leader down. Right, it's it's right. leader down. It's it's obviously collaboration outside of that, but it's leader down. So it says a lot about you. Um, and going back to you know when you know from when you were hatched, but you just think you know as I as I listen to you talk and we weave it back, you can clearly see the importance of community and people and how it mattered how it mattered to you even when you were nine years old. Right, right, and and still to this day that is that has continued forward. Right, which is amazing as an introvert, eh? <laughs> that's that's impressive to me, in and of itself. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I love, you know, I, I do, I, I really, that's the thing, again, just saying that that's the thing that moved me so much about you, about yourself and about Milestone was just the impact you're creating. And it just so have you're creating impact in the world and you just happen to do reclamation to, to get there. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know the 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 tool is is that, and the purpose is that higher level piece. Absolutely, and that's what I really warned from you know the the moment we chatted and saw you in the room and and the energy that you brought. That's I I love the alignment that that you know I have milestone has with the things that you're doing with the podcast and better the pond. I think that's or the podcast. I mean, right out of the gate, we were talking similar language, and uh, again, a, and from a communication point of view, that that creates a great bond. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what's one lesson, Eric, that you've learned along your, you know, your youthful past um, that you would share with an entrepreneur starting a business today? Yeah. Um, well, um, first of all, um, strap yourself in. You can never, you can never expect what you're going to, what you're going to encounter. And in fact, you have to actually enjoy the fact that you're not going to know. It never goes according to plan. Um, and secondly is strap yourself in with some really, really good people that you like being around and enjoying, you know, the bumpy ride with, but, um, no, no comparison. It's, it's, there's no like, like it, like it, it's, uh, highly, highly rewarding, both, both in a, in, in so many different elements of it. So, um, I would just, share with people that they should try one way or the other uh, to introduce that entrepreneurial spirit, which is another one of our values, uh, is just making sure that we've got that entrepreneurial spirit and whatever we do, whether, whether you start a company or you're working within a company. And I've, I've never started a company. I've, I've always been attracted to groups that are already off, off the ground. And I, I joined the B formation that they've already started. Um, and so I, However you do it, I think it's that entrepreneurial spirit that we can all benefit from and all consider how we bring that to, you know, our individual lives. And so the first is you said to strap yourself in because it's, uh, it, it is, it is, it's a bumpy ride, right? Yeah. But... If, you, if, if you like roller coasters, yeah. that's, that's kind of what it's like. So yep. if, if you like that piece of it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Absolutely. 
So basically, your, your two pieces of advice was number one, strap yourself in. You know, you so you know what you're getting into. Number two, you're right, and so you know, you know that you're going in with you know with open eyes. Yeah. Um, and the second part is make sure that you surround yourself with good people that you and that you enjoy working with, that you that you have fun with. That you know what I'm hearing from that is like the work work is fun, work isn't work. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we spend a lot of time doing it, so you better enjoy it. Uh, you better get some rewards out of it. Um, uh, and however, whatever that reward looks like, but, but absolutely. I mean, we're only here for a short period of time, so we better make sure that it's, it's as worthwhile as possible. Exactly. That's uh, when I, you know, I say when I work, yeah, I tell people I get, I get paid to have fun. Yeah, absolutely. I get paid, I get yeah. paid, I get paid to play and, and, and uh, such a great how, how many people have we all talked to and they say, yeah, man, that day went really quickly. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a good scenario. If, if if you're productive and you're enjoying what you do, that's that's a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It takes a bit takes a bit to figure it out and get there, but boy, when you get there, it's it's the, the roller coaster ride is worth it. Absolutely. And 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 if you're if you're like me, and it's easier to borrow from other people and learn from other people, that's where this you know with strap yourself in with good people, um, because I I. All the things I've learned, I've learned with other people around me, whether it was, you know, actual teachers or people that I just noticed and observed and, and learned from almost, uh, um, sort of passively. Um, so I, I think that's one of the benefits we have of, uh, you know, being on this earth is all, all the, the people that surround us. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we said this before and we don't want to, you know, but, you know, but sort of pushing tech, but you know, one of the really interesting things from my own experiences, I mean, we met through tech Canada. Um, but you know, I've become friends with, with, with members, I've been friends with chairs and then doing work and projects together. And I tell you, it's just, it's, it's, it's uplifting. Like the energy you get, you get energy from it. Yeah. It's energizing versus depleting. And it is, it's a, it is such a game changer. I also love some of the, I mean, we've gone forever, but I, I love some of the adjacencies, like the fact that you and I engaged in a tech session. Uh, and then we've engaged a couple of other times with other people within our network and we've introduced, uh, you know, people around and now we're doing this. I mean, I think, I think that's one of the benefits is that collaboration to me, that's what occurred to me when you said, what is relentless collaboration? It was like, this is kind of relentless collaboration. Great. I love it. So I have one last question for you, Eric, and I would be, I've got to try to be a good steward of time, but you have a question for you that, that I did not give you. And uh, here's, so here's the question. If you were standing on top of a mountain yeah. and the whole world is intently listening to you, what would you say? Well, remember, I'm an introvert. I, first, my first thought is I'm walking down that mountain. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think I would probably, I mean, there's a certain humor that I always introduce. So I, I think, I, I don't think I would have anything to impart to the whole world. Um, I guess if I'm on top of the mountain, hopefully they learn from, from how I struggled up the mountain. Um, I think my first thought would be, um, where do we go next? That would be more of a question than a, yeah. Cause I mean, if I'm talking to the whole world, I don't, I don't know what the whole world needs. I, I just know what you know, the people around me might need. Um, well, that's a great question, Warren, and, and you stumped me with that one. Um, um, what would I say? Well, you know, if I was at the top of the mountain, and I use this analogy in business all the time, if I was at the top of the mountain, I would say, hey, this is pretty amazing. We reached the top of the mountain. Um, thank you all for your contributions. to Because to, the person who reaches the top of the mountain, like if you use the classic Everest, look at base camp. There's a whole lot of people that are resulting in those one or two people that get to the top of the mountain every day. Um, so it would be basically to say, thanks for letting me get this viewpoint and this vantage point. Um, and then, yeah, where do you want to go next? There's something you said that's interesting and that, that just comes to mind. And I, and I, pre, I appreciate your response, obviously, because the fact is that you understand you, you know, to, to me, um, that you're, you're, you're grateful. Oh, you know, wow. to be there. Right. But the other thing that you said, you said it earlier is that when you said about, you know, I would ask, you know, you'd want to, you know, you'd ask, you'd ask more of a question, which tells me that you, if you ask the question sort of what does everybody want, right. Is that you would then, you would then be there to listen. And you led to that earlier. 
uh, saying of something you're really working at is both listening. And I think that in itself is is a response in and of itself, is listening to others' needs. I, totally. I mean, that's I, I'm a big believer in servant leadership, and I'm a big believer that we're all here for each other. Less, We'd be better off if we were here less for ourselves and more for others. Right. So if you want to, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Wow. Well said. <laughs> so, um, Eric, I, I do want to thank you, uh, for your time today. I want to thank you for everything that, that you're doing, obviously to better the pond personally. I want to thank you for bettering the pond professionally through milestone and what everything that milestone is doing and that everything that they stand for. And if anybody wants to find you and connect with you, uh, where do they go to find you, Eric? Yeah, I'm on uh, social media uh, with uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, my um, won't get all the things right, but uh, easiest way is to drop me an email at uh, ericp at milestoneenv.ca or give me a call on my cell phone. Ah, so I will get that. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes so that people have it okay. so that they can reach that. And, uh, and they can reach you on your cell phone. Yeah, absolutely. Look at that. Wow. Putting yourself right, the introvert's putting himself right out there. Absolutely. No, sell, sell is great. And, and I would say in contracting, that's one of the lessons I've learned is our form of communication is, is, is cell phone. It's not, I'm a tarot, I email way too often, but it's really not affected through email. Uh, it really is working that through voice to voice, handshake to handshake. Um, and that's part of what I love about our business. Yeah, it's that that's a personal touch, right? That we're 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 humans. We're not digits. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Warren, um, right back at you. Thank you very much. Um, this was a very engaging, fun process to go through. Um, a little too focused on me, I got to admit, but uh, that that was fun actually, and so I super enjoyed it. And I love the stuff that you're doing. I think giving giving um, platform to people that are doing good work um, can never be shared enough. So thank you very much for that and the energy that you bring to it. Ah, well, thank you. I think we can be part of the Mutual Admiration Club. Absolutely. Yeah. All day and long. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. You had a great time here today with Eric Pringle from uh, Milestone Environmental. And this is Warren Berry, and I'm flocking off to take you beyond the pond to better the pond because we're better together. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you. Have a good day, everybody. Well, thanks for landing on the Better the Pond podcast. Do you know someone who should be in our flock? Contact Warren at warren at instinctivesolutions.ca to tell us their story. Until next time, what ripples will you create? Cheers. Cheers.